Today, we are starting a new sermon series titled Faith and Miracles. So the past few months, really, I've been talking to people and I've actually experienced some, like a big one in our family and, and then some other families that I'm close with and some people that have just been telling me where God's been moving in their lives and I'm just, I'm hearing miracles happening in people's lives. And so I, I can say I start thinking, but really, you know, the Holy Spirit starts planting this thought into my head. Why don't you do a series on miracles? Well, then I started thinking, well, we could do a series on miracles, and, and maybe throughout the series we'll have some testimonies here. That's what I would like to do. But, you know, there's two components to uh, a follower of Jesus' life that we must be aware of that work together. Faith and miracles. And so that's why the title of this sermon series is called Faith and Miracles. And then today, today's title is called Faith, What's It All About? So I was going to title it Faith, Let's Talk About It, but that title has already been taken. So, <laughs> nothing? You don't get it? <laughs> all right, perfect. <laughs> all right, so... What, what is it all about? What is faith all about? So also, this series is going to be uh, an eight to 10 week series. So we're gonna be in this for a while. One of the things that I had a hard time doing this past week was actually narrowing stuff about faith in the Bible down to one 30 minute sermon because there is a lot in there. And we also have a couple of other things coming up. We'll have a mission Sunday here in a few weeks where we will we will share about what are the missions that we do, uh, how those are going, what's happening there. And then uh, we have Melanie Forsyth from Life Vinner will be here in October. Um, and then in this series, I believe Paul Diani and Kim are going to share with us too. So this is going to be a good series. And so here's what I'm going to say. Get your Bibles out right now. Get your notepads out. Get your phones, whatever it is that you need. And let's get into this. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 1. You guys don't like that faith? Let's talk about it. Nobody like that? Right. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Rome, and he says this, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So we're going to start with that. Everything about our relationship with Jesus, the good news of the gospel, the good news of the words that are in this book, everything begins and ends with faith. Faith is the crux of our relationship with Jesus. I mean, think about it. When you're talking to somebody about Jesus, Somebody that doesn't know Jesus, okay? You're talking to them. You can't 
You can't see him. Right? You can't see Jesus. You can't ask him to come into the room and tell this person about himself. You can't text him. You can't FaceTime him. He's not like right there. Because our relationship with him begins by the experience that we have when his Holy Spirit enters our lives. We experience his presence. And the presence of God's Holy Spirit is tangibly felt and experienced in our lives. We know this because maybe we received a healing. Maybe, maybe we, like, like, like I remember, I, I, my faith uh, uh, road to, to Jesus, my, my faith journey was, I, I remember specifically when I woke up one day, I was coming to church, I'd been coming for a while, and I felt, I felt like a thousand pounds had been lifted off my shoulders. Amen. And it was my sins had been forgiven, and Jesus took them from me. Like, you cannot convince me of anything else. And I, I remember that because that was 20-some years ago, and I talked to Pastor Dave, and he said, yeah, I said, oh, something's happening. He said, your sins, your sin. Jesus has taken that sinful lifestyle that you've been carrying around off your shoulders. How do you explain that to somebody? How do you say to somebody, you, you, you know, because isn't it, isn't it true that when we're trying to explain this to somebody who, who doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't follow Jesus, and, and quite frankly, they're a little skeptical, you know, what is, what, is, what is like the last thing you finally say to them? Well, you just got to believe, right? You just got to believe me and what I'm telling you. You've got to have faith. That's what we say. And, and, and they're still left kind of wondering, right? Because how do you really put the experience that you're having with God's Holy Spirit into words for somebody who doesn't have an idea of what you're talking about? And so just for me personally, you will probably often hear me use the word trust. I believe that faith and trust are two words that go hand in hand. Like faith is the churchy word that we use, right? That's, that's faith. You've got to have faith. And, and another Christian will be like, yeah, you know, it's, it's all about faith. But if it's somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, faith is not something that they're used to using in their everyday language. And so I'll often use the word trust. You've just got to put your trust in God. You have to trust that he has your best interest in mind. As a matter of fact, you have to trust the process of salvation before your faith starts to grow. So really, it all begins with trust. And then when you start seeing God move in your life and you start experiencing things that you never would experience outside of your conversations with Jesus, then your faith begins to grow. See what I'm saying? Now, let's take the biblical definition of faith just a little bit further. And we're going to read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, says this. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Well, okay, so you're talking to me and I'm not a believer. You're telling me I have to please God? Like, like why do I have to please this God that I can't see, feel, hear, or touch yet? What does that mean? 
It means that it takes faith for the desire to live a life according to God's word. See, these things begin to change inside you, in your spirit, man, in your spirit. They, they begin to change you. You, you. you begin experiencing these things that only God's Holy Spirit can do to you, and your faith begins to grow. You begin to read the Bible a little bit more. You begin to understand that maybe I shouldn't use this language. Maybe I should change a few things about the way I'm doing. Maybe I should be a little more forgiving, less judgmental. Maybe you know, fill in the blank. What is it that when you read the Bible, jumps out at you and you say, ooh, I need to change that in my life. Because that is God's Holy Spirit saying to you, maybe you should work on that a little bit. And, and that is what pleasing God means. You have this desire to live the way that he wants us to live according to his word because we believe that God exists. And what does he put at the end of that? I will reward those who sincerely seek me out. He's our father in heaven. And those of us that are dads, what, what do we do with our kids who do good, they do a good job around the house, they, they get good grades, they're good kids, what do we do? We reward them. Because, because that's what a loving father does. And that's who our father in heaven is. And I believe too, I believe, this is a paraphrase, kind of my words, but, but God is up there going, listen, I know that the Christian lifestyle isn't easy. It's not easy being a believer in Jesus. It's not easy following Jesus. You, you have to change the way you're living. You know, first of all, the, re, the whole repentance thing means, means, means you do a 180. And the Bible says that the angels in heaven are confounded when a man repents and turns towards God. They don't understand it either, the angels in heaven. And God says, when you do this, you are now walking towards me and the plans and the purpose that I had for you long before you were born can now be put into action. And I want to reward you for that. I mean, it sounds good to me. And here's the deal. You cannot outgive God. You can't outreward him. He's that good to us. And so the Bible is full of stories about the faith it took for people to follow the plan that God had for them. And they all had this one thing in common. Faith is seeing life from God's point of view. It means you're kind of synced up with what he wants you to do in life. It is looking at the world from God's point of view. Faith is having God's perspective on things. So it's going to get a little, a little more, you're going to have to pay attention to me here in the next few minutes, and then we'll kind of, we'll kind of what are you, we're, going to, we're going to go down, and then we'll kind of ease into that, that ride a little bit. But this is, you know what, this is not the easiest thing to explain. Faith is, it's, it can be complicated, because we're human beings. Let's back up in Hebrews to verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. What does that mean? Well, everything that we can see, that chair you're sitting in, this stage that I'm on, this iPad that I use, all of this stuff, your appliances, your car, your home, your favorite object, 
everything that you can see, touch, taste, and feel here on this earth is temporary. All of it is temporary. But as followers of Jesus, we have a hope in our eternity. We have a hope in the things that we trust in Jesus for. This is the reality of a Jesus follower. We, we understand that there, there's a world out there that we can't see. It's an unseen world. It's a spiritual realm that is more real than anything that we can literally see, both good and evil. Which, by the way, when it comes to faith and trust, how many of you guys made sure the chair you're sitting in was going to hold you? Or did you just sit down in it and expect it to hold you? That's the kind of faith God wants us to have. See? But, but this unseen world, this is where our faith comes into play at. Because the eternal realm, the spiritual realm, which holds the evidence of the things we cannot see. See, we cannot see God's Holy Spirit. Right? We can't see it. Even Jesus said to Nicodemus, the religious leader of the kingdom, he said, he said, the Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows. You can't see it coming, you can't see it going, but you can feel it when it's there. You don't know what he's doing, but you can sense him and feel him and kind of follow his lead. We know he's there. We know that God's Holy Spirit brings blessings. We know that he brings healings. We know that he brings miracles. We know that he moves on our behalf, that he does good things for us on our behalf, that, that the Father in heaven, see, the, God the Father is, is sitting up in heaven on his throne. Jesus is at the right hand advocating for us, and the Holy Spirit is the one who's here with us doing it all. We can't see any of this but we know he's there because of the things that are happening, because of the evidence in our lives of the things that we cannot see. See what I'm saying? It, it, you can't explain this stuff to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. It, it kind of makes you look weird, doesn't it? <laughs> kind of like my joke earlier, which I want to talk about later. Okay. Ah, see? <laughs> if you keep saying it enough, it becomes funny. Okay. <laughs> I'll take sympathy laugh. I don't care. So. <laughs> but here's the thing. When, when the, this evidence of the things we cannot see, how do we know that God's Holy Spirit is moving? Because there are things that happen in our lives that have no other explanation than I prayed about it and it happened. Right? That's the evidence of things we cannot see. It's not the easiest thing to explain because it is the evidence of the things we cannot see. And when we start realizing Jesus had a plan for our lives that was much bigger and much better than we could have ever imagined, we then begin to see things through his point of view. Because when things start happening in our lives that we're praying about, that we're asking God about, and they begin to happen, we say to ourselves, you know what? This, this, this stuff is for real. And if I read something in here that says, you know what, Chip, your, your, your corners are a little rough in that area of your life. You might want to, I want you to smooth that part of your life out. 
I'm going to do the best that I can to smooth that corner of my life out. Because I want my Father in heaven, who is giving me good things, to be pleased with the way I'm living my life because everything I have is his anyways. And everything I do can only hinder or help his kingdom here on earth. So I want to be a part of what he's doing. We begin to see things through his point of view, and the evidence of the things we cannot see starts to become more a part of our everyday reality. It becomes our reality. And that is what I call the great adventure with God. It's an adventure. We we should never plateau in our Christian walk with God. We should never even out. It should be a constant, just, just an incline of adventure. Now, let's take a look at what the Bible says happens when we start seeing things through God's perspective. How do we do this? And what difference does it make in the way we live, we go through life? Here's the deal. If we do this without studying the scriptures and leaning into God's word, it often becomes wishful thinking. If we're not reading the word of God, our prayers and the things that we want God to do on our behalf turn into begging, right, and pleading. Because, because we're not really in sync with God's perspective. And so we beg and we plead and we plead and we beg and we want God to move on our behalf. But our faith level is not where it needs to be because we've never experienced God the way somebody who is rooted in the scriptures is experiencing him. And so we wonder why God doesn't move on our behalf. And we continue to beg and plead. But when we study and when we lean into and when we rely on God's word, Our faith in what he can do becomes bigger as our relationship in him continues to grow. Because faith shrinks our problems. God becomes bigger, and every obstacle we run into is smaller. No matter how big they are, we know that God's bigger. See, it was by faith in God's word, his literal voice, that Noah built the boat, the ark. Everybody knows the story of Noah. Even people who don't follow Jesus know the story of Noah. God was so upset with what was happening here on the earth, the wickedness that mankind was doing, and and, and the only person he could find that was righteous was Noah and his family, his three sons and their wives. He says, Noah, I need you to build a boat. I'm going to flood everything. What's happening is... The immorality, the wickedness, I can't, I can't do it. So Noah built this boat, and, and anybody who listened to the preaching of Noah while he built that boat would be saved. They could get on the boat. And they all laughed at him because it didn't rain at that time. Some commentary theologians will say it was kind of like the terrarium effect at that time. This is, we're talking, you know, 7,000 years ago for those who are the creationists. And, and, and it says that the, the waters begin to spring up from the ground and the flooding began to happen. And people were, you know, I imagine them pounding on the boat. And then the boat begins to float away. And Noah, his three sons and their wives and the animals that came onto the boat were saved through that. But that was by faith. 
It was by faith in God's word that a man named Abraham, who, if you read your, if you're familiar with the story, he's known as the father of faith. Abraham lived in a pagan household. They worshiped many gods where he was at at the time. Somewhere, I think, like down about where modern-day Iraq is. Abraham hears the voice of God. Abraham, I would like for you to travel in a faraway land, live as a stranger in a strange land in tents. I want you to live as a nomad. Abraham says, whew, okay. Travels, like, up around Iraq and Iran and Syria and down, down towards where Israel is. Israel wasn't a nation at the time. God says, from you, Abraham, will be a son, and a nation will be born from him. And he had a son named Isaac, and from Isaac was Jacob, and from Jacob was the 12 tribes of Israel, and the nation of Israel came from Abraham. But it was by faith that Abraham did this. Here's another one. One more. It was by faith that Moses led the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Israelites, out from under the rule of the Egyptians. They were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. The Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, at the time when uh, Moses was born, was killing the firstborn of all the Hebrew males. So Moses' mom was pregnant. She has Moses, and it was by faith she puts Moses in a basket and pushes him down the river. The Pharaoh's daughter finds him, knows that he's a Hebrew. They raise him in secret. A Hebrew raised as an Egyptian all of a sudden comes upon this flaming bush that's on fire and the voice of God speaks to him about the plans God has for his life. And it was by faith that Moses did that. So those are three major stories right here. And see, here's the thing. There's many, many more stories in the Bible of the faith in God people had and how they relied on God to fulfill his plan and purpose through them. Now here's the thing. We won't know about these stories in the Bible of faith. We won't know about these stories and the miracles God did through the faith people had in him if we don't read the Bible. We won't know about this. These stories are there to help us build our faith in God. You can say, God, I really relate to this story about Abraham or Moses, Noah, whoever, Gideon, whatever. God, I I really need you to move in my life like you did with them. And you can use their experience. And you kind of link up to that, right? Because you can identify with what they went through. See, these stories are there to build our faith because every one of these stories in the Bible are not without the personal struggles that that person had. Moses didn't want to do what God called him to do. As a matter of fact, he tried everything he could to get out of it until God got upset with him and said, you're not getting out of this. But by the way, I'll bring your brother along and he'll help you. Uh, Everybody that God used struggled with what it was God wanted them to do. I think all of us can identify with that in some level or another. So they're there for our help. It's history, but it's also the word of God that is there to help us. For example, when, when the angel of the Lord came to visit Abraham, all right, Abraham and his wife Sarah were old in age. She couldn't have any children. They were so old, they were beyond having children. And the, the angel of the Lord says, you were about to have a child. And she laughs. 
And the angel says, you're, you're laughing. And she, I, I picture her getting embarrassed because she said, no, I'm not. The angel's response was this in Genesis chapter 18. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Because she did have a child. Nothing is impossible with God. Equals God is bigger than every problem I'll ever face. God is bigger than every obstacle that's in my path. God is bigger than anything I'll ever have to deal with. Yes. Nothing is impossible with God. And so now, let's take a look at some faith stories with Jesus. Let's look in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. Verse 22. So Jesus says to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying... First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Oh, a little copy out there. <laughs> but let's look at this for a second. Many commentaries, as I was kind of studying this this week, say that what Jesus was saying is have faith in God, have the faith of God. I, I, I would equate that to Look at it with God's perspective. We can't look at our, what we're looking at with God's perspective if we're, if we're not rooted in his word. If we're seeing it through his eyes. Now, listen. Can we literally say to a mountain, go jump into the sea? I mean, has anybody... Okay, so listen, I struggle with this stuff. Especially this one here. I struggle with a lot of these verses where Jesus says, if you pray about it, you can have it. Because you know what? Truth be told, I haven't always gotten what I prayed for. I mean, am I the only one here? I don't think so. And here's what helps me with that. This is a side note. This wasn't in the notes. Here's what helps me with that. God knows better than I do. Amen. He's got my best interest in mind at all times. And, oh, guess what? He's God and I'm not. So I have to believe and trust in the process that he has for me. That, that's where I'm at with that. That keeps me from getting upset with God when I want something. But, but let's get back to that mountain. Like, really? You mean, you mean Jesus, I can say to this mountain, go jump in the sea. Like I can say to a person, go jump in a lake. And they might, but they're going to look at me funny. I have never read, I have never heard, I have never seen, I have never witnessed, I don't know anybody who has said to a literal mountain, go, go jump in the ocean and, and go. And the mountain literally did that, right? Now, this is the teachings from Jesus. So Jesus, now, I haven't seen him do that either, but he did rise from the dead. So <laughs> there are things he's done that we don't understand. But here's the deal. How about this? God, the creator of it all, 
set all this stuff into motion, right? The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the planets, the galaxy, the universe that we're in, and it is perfectly done in a way that only life for human beings can be here on earth. If anything was the least bit out of sync, we wouldn't be here. Those are laws that God has governed. Laws of physics, laws of gravity, laws of nature, laws of math. All these laws that God has set into place that he governs to keep this whole thing in check. When the scientists say things like, you know, the, the, the universe is expanding and this and that and the other. It is, but God's holding it all together. Science catches up to God. But check this out. There's also a thing called the law of faith, right? And the law of faith supersedes all these other laws that are governed by God. See, because the law of faith is where the impossible happens. Nothing governs miracles the way God has set everything else up. God is the one who does it all. And God is the one who moves in the unexpected, moves where the impossible is, moves in the unexplainable. God supersedes all of that stuff when we're praying for miracles and we have the faith. Because this is where faith opens the door for miracles. So what mountain is in your life that needs moved? What mountain in your life is in front of you? What is standing in the way of a miracle happening for you where you need the law of faith to supersede everything because I just don't see how this could happen. There's no way humanly possible that this obstacle in my life, this mountain, this issue can be solved. And God says, well, if you pray, it can happen. Oh, but, hey, you know, by the way, before you start praying for that miracle, if there's anyone you need to forgive, or there's a grudge that you're holding, you may want to deal with that first. Forgiveness, grudges, holding on to past hurts, could just possibly be what is keeping us from receiving what it is that God wants for us or he wants to do for us. And again, just because he's God, it could have nothing to do with that. God does what he wants to do. He's going to do it whether, you know. But oftentimes, there's things that we harbor in our lives that God says, I really want you to get that taken care of first because it's hindering my relationship with you. Let's, let's read a passage in Gospel of Matthew, uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 13. And we're going we're we're to get back to this forgiveness thing in a minute here, but I want to talk about unbelief for a second too. Let's throw that in there too. Because all this is, this is, this isn't easy stuff to, to kind of digest, is it? I mean, moving in, 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 in the unexplainable, it, it's hard. Because oftentimes we hear about somebody else receiving a miracle but we never get it for ourselves, right? It's tough. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. 
This is, this is great. So Jesus, prior to this, he is doing all kinds of stories and teachings about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 54, it says, he returned to Nazareth, his hometown, where he taught there in the synagogue. Everyone was amazed at what he said. Where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. And we know his mother Mary. You know, what does that mean? We know his mother Mary. You know, there were still rumblings going on about the virgin birth and all of this. That's what I'm assuming that means. We, we know his mother Mary. She left and came back, told Joseph she was pregnant. She didn't know how. You know, it's a virgin birth. The Christian lifestyle is not easy. Jesus didn't have it easy either. They scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son, and we know his mother Mary and his brothers. What does this mean? Were they troublemakers? His brothers, James and Joseph, Simon and Judas, different Judas, by the way, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Isn't that something? I mean, I bet there's some of you right now that go, oh, yeah, I know someone like that. Why is it that the very name of Jesus or anything that has to do with the Bible deeply offends people? Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his home family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So I believe it's a condition of our heart. Where are we at with this? Where are we at with Jesus? Where are we at with these miracles? Where are we at with faith? See, the forgiveness thing, when it comes to forgiveness, if there's hatred in our hearts, if there's bitterness, if there's anger, if there's holding on to what that person did to us, because, because the more we get mad about it, the more it's going to affect you, <laughs> not them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the other person. It only hurts us. That's why Jesus is saying, get your heart right. Get your heart right so that you and I can have this relationship. Here's the thing. There's a difference between having unforgiveness in your hearts when there's hatred and bitterness and all of that and having unforgiveness in your heart but struggling to forgive the person. See, because when you struggle to forgive somebody, the process is already starting. And you're giving God something to work with. But when you put your heels in the ground and say, I can never forgive that person, you're only hurting yourself and your relationship with Jesus. Because what was the last thing Jesus said there? Forgive them so that your Father in heaven can forgive you. Amen. It's tough. But when there's a, forgiveness is a process. So there's, there's, a, there's a difference here. Hatred leaves no room for forgiveness, but trying to forgive and struggling at the same time gives God something to work with. And then, with Jesus' hometown, they were deeply offended. Like, he's healing people. He's doing miracles. Whatever what, if the word is used as miracles, so what's he doing? They're amazed at the teachings. How does he have all this knowledge? Ha! Huh. They were deeply offended by him. 
and what he was doing. So they flat out refused to believe in him. It was a condition of their hearts. I don't know why, but they did not want to believe that he was the Messiah. So he left. He said, you know what, you're not going to believe. I will go somewhere else. There are plenty of other people here that will believe in what I'm doing. See, refusing to believe in Jesus, like, like just oh, nothing to do with that, will block miracles from happening. And then in Mark chapter 9, so here's a, this, this is a, the most beautiful story of unbelief. It's just my favorite. I always refer to this. It, uh, uh, so, so many stories in the Bible. Story in Mark chapter 9. This man, he's a child, and the disciples can't heal him. He's been this way since birth, and, and, and I it just, they can't figure it out. And Jesus comes along, and he talks to the dad, and the dad is telling him what's happening with his child. And so Jesus says this. Anything is possible if a person believes. Do you believe I can heal your son? Here's the words from the New Living Translation. And the dad instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I believe you can do this, Jesus. How many times have you been there? God, I believe you can do this. I know you can do this, but I struggle with it because my finite mind can't see it happening. I believe, but I need some help. You know, I use that all the time with God. God, I know you can do this, but oh, I'm struggling here. I need some help. See, if I wasn't reading the Bible all the time, and if that story hadn't jumped out at me years ago, I would never be able to refer to it when I'm talking to God. It helps my faith. And it helps me have a conversation with God. And also, it helps me maybe direct or redirect what I need to be looking at so I can see the situation through God's eyes with his perspective. Help me with my own belief, God. That's a whole lot different than saying, I am deeply offended by what you're trying to do in my life right now. And so we'll end it with this. Bring it home with this story here. Matthew chapter 9. It's a great story, too. And, and, and I want you to put yourself in the scene right here. Matthew chapter 9 starts at verse 27. Now, before this, though, there's a man that comes to Jesus, and he says, my daughter's dead. Can you, can you help? He says, yeah, I can help. And on his way there, the people are pushing and crowding, and they're just, they're just it's a huge crowd of people. And this is where the woman with the issue of blood touches his robe. Great, great faith story. You can, we'll, we'll do that one later. But it's, it's a, you know, in the Christian world, everybody knows that story, right? It's a great story, many sermons about it. But her faith made her well. And then Jesus goes to this house and, and he says, oh, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And everybody kind of snickers and he brings her back to life, okay? But, but here's the deal. All of this happened in one day. Hundreds of people, 50, 100, 200, 300 people, they're elbow to elbow. The disciples are like, back off, Jesus is coming through, he needs your room. And you know, this lady touches his robe, he, he heals her, he goes, he raises this girl from the dead. And then, listen to this in verse 27. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. So he's doing these miracles, right? 
all within a matter of hours. And these two blind guys, son of David, have mercy on us. They're yelling and shouting in the streets. Who's the son of David? Well, that's Jesus. What they're saying is, Jesus, we know your family lineage. We know your line. The the scriptures in the Old Testament say that you come from the family, the line of King David, which his father was Jesse, and you could trace it all the way back to Adam. We know you're the Messiah is what they were saying by using a Hebrew term, son of David, have mercy on us. And then it gets even better. And then they went right into the house where he was staying. These two blind guys, was somebody leading them? Were they just following? What, What did this look like? They went into the house where he was staying, and I don't know what it was like. I, I just I picture the disciples because they were always trying to do things. Jesus was like, would you guys just relax a little bit? Here's these guys. They're blind. They're making a, all kinds of noise, and, and Jesus is doing things, and there's crowds of people, and they go into the house where Jesus was staying, and then he asks them, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened, and they could see. Then Jesus said, hey, don't tell anybody about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. (laughs) Could you, I mean, could you imagine they're running down the streets, they can see, I picture them leaping over things and just bushes and high-fiving just everybody and people like, did these the blind guys? No, like all they needed was a basketball, something to prove they could now see. Like these guys are just, ah, they're just, they're so happy now. But it was their faith. They knew if they could just get to him, that he would heal them. Do you believe? Yes. Yes, we believe, they said. I call that crazy faith. That's the kind of faith that's on a whole nother level. Like, I don't even know if I have that kind of faith. These guys were blind. And they received their sight. Jesus says, because of your faith, you will receive your miracle. So the question for all of us is, where's the level of our faith? Where are we at with this? Are we willing to let things go? Are we willing to forgive people that hurt us? Are we willing to say, Jesus, that is not such a big deal? Are we willing to say, Jesus, are are we willing to pull the masks off and say, Jesus, I really struggle with my belief, but I need you to move in my life. Or are we putting up this front in front of the one who created us, who knows everything about us, that can see beyond every facade that we hold up in front of everybody else in our lives? Where's the level of our faith? You see, faith and miracles allow us to see God move in unexplainable ways in our lives unexplainable. I can't explain it. And the purpose of this series is to encourage us 
and to get us to look for God to move in our lives in a way that cannot be explained other than I prayed about it and God did it. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, I I thank you, Jesus. Man, I thank you so much for what you have for us. I I just sense like today, things were just, like I, I sense like there was a release. And I sensed, you know what? I sensed like for some of you, you're like, you know what? You just, and, and you can't explain it, but you want to forgive. <laughs> and so as we move into a time of worship, I want to encourage everybody here to be honest with God about stuff. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you struggle with belief. Maybe you struggle with forgiveness. Maybe none of that is the issue. But you struggle, you know what? And this might be a word for somebody. Maybe you struggle with the timing of God right now. And I believe as we move into a time of worship, that if you have an honest discussion with God about whatever it is, he's going to answer you. And that thought that you have when you ask God about that is not just a thought that you have. That's God's Holy Spirit speaking to you. Because I believe that God wants to change lives in this room today. I trust in that. I have the faith in that. I feel it. So, Jesus, I thank you for that. Mm. I thank you, Jesus, for the people who struggled to get here today and were like, oh, my goodness. That that sense of life that's bubbling up in you, that's the Holy Spirit filling you up right now. Because, see, with Jesus, there is no end. It's forever. us in the struggles. We want to know you're beside us in the hurt. We want to know you're beside us in the good times. We want to know, God. We, you know what? Some of you just want to hear God say, it's going to be all right. And if that's you, he wants you to know it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Because I'm here, he says to you. Whew. We pray these things in Jesus' name.